Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Let's begin this morning with the poem Reverend Beth chose for last Sunday morning's chalice lighting. Maya Angelos, Still I Rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes spring high, still, I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, because I laugh like I got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I rise. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear in the tide, leaving behind nights of terror and fear. I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I rise. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise. I rise. I rise. Last Sunday night, violence erupted across the country in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Here in Boston, long after the evening's beautiful march had come to a peaceful close, shop windows were shattered. For the second time in a month, someone hurled a brick at our Tiffany stained glass, and once again, though the protective covering was damaged, the window remained untouched. I'm told that security camera footage shows three cars driving up in front of Hermes, across Arlington Street from us. Trunks are popped open, white men smash windows to gain access, run inside, emerge with armloads of merchandise, and speed away. According to the Brookings Institute's Dan Byman, white supremacists are using the ongoing protests to accelerate civil disorder in an attempt to tear apart the current political system. On Tuesday morning, our representative, Ayanna Presley, said that the only thing racial justice advocates such as she seek to destroy and to actively dismantle is systemic racism. We cannot allow this injustice to go unchecked any longer, she says, 
there must be accountability. Though the rioting and looting here in Boston this past week had nothing to do with standing up for black liberation from the scourge of racism, surely anyone can understand that kind of anger. That this past week's profound unrest has given way to property destruction and person-on-person -person violence across the country should come as no surprise. George Floyd's death was merely the latest in a three centuries long list of senseless acts of aggression, oppression, and the murder of African Americans. Eric Garner, Philandro Castile, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, Stefan Clark, Laquan McDonald, and Breonna Taylor were all murdered by police. Out for a jog, Ahmaud Arbery was killed by white vigilantes, including a former policeman. After a traffic stop for failing to signal a lane change, Sandra Bland died in jail. And for each of these deadly, racist confrontations between unarmed African Americans and armed white police that have been caught on video, how many are never documented or prosecuted? How much discussion has there been about the discussion we need to have about race? How many miles over how many years have African Americans marched nonviolently? How long can a people be expected to endure racial profiling, stop and frisk, and 10,000 indignities, let alone being killed for the color of their skin? NBA players wearing I can't breathe t-shirts over their jerseys and Colin Kaepernick kneeling on the football field during the national anthem were peaceful protests. To what end? So little has gotten the attention of the nation to the point that anything has changed. The injustice is staggering. Writing for the week, Joel Mathis says, we live in a culture that celebrates a link between violence and freedom. America was born in a deadly revolution that started with a destructive riot, a fact we joyfully commemorate with explosions on July 4th. Slavery in America didn't begin to end until after a bloody civil war. Violence against injustice, Violence for freedom is something Americans honor, unless it's being perpetrated by African-Americans. It is downright obscene to put the burden of right behavior on African-Americans while accepting a status quo of police violence. As always, when reflecting on the place of violence and nonviolence, I turn to the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He has been much quoted in this past week in reference to a line from speeches given in 1967 and 1968, just three weeks before he was murdered, in which he said, a riot is the language of the unheard. It is absolutely critical that we understand that Dr. King was not pro-riot. He was not defending riots. He was saying they are understandable. Here are his words. America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. 
Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. He continues, let me say, as I've always said, that I will always continue to say that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppressed people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violent will violence will only create more social problems than they will solve. So I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way and continue to affirm that there is another way. I would be the first to say that I am still committed to militant, powerful, massive nonviolence as the most potent we weapon in grappling with the problem from a direct action point of view. I am absolutely convinced that a riot merely intensifies the fear of the white community while relieving their guilt. And I feel that we must always work with an effective, powerful weapon and method that brings about tangible results. But it is not enough for me to stand before you today and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without, at the same time, condemning the contingent, intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. On Tuesday, Dr. Ibu Kwabena Blankson posted a letter online that begins, Dear White Friend. I'll close by sharing a little bit of it. Dear White Friend, Thank you for all the thoughts and prayers over the last several days. For those who have called and checked on me, many thanks. Those of you who haven't surely have other black men you are closer to, thank you for reaching out to them. If you don't have a black man you are close to, that is a conversation for another time. I haven't been able to sleep for the last several days. Maybe you haven't either. For me, it's anger, sadness, fear. Maybe these sleepless nights are new for you. Welcome to my world. Many of you have posted on this platform about your anger, sadness, and fear. Thank you for that. Can I respectfully ask you to keep your anger over violent participants in peaceful protest to yourself? I assure you, white friend, no one on your Facebook feed is burning local businesses. You are not friends with those people. Rather, keep posting about how angry you are at the ways systematic racism destroys the fabric of our society. Post about all the peaceful protesters getting shot with rubber bullets and tear gassed. I am not going to ask you to unfriend your Derek Chauvin or your Amy Cooper. That would be unproductive. But I could implore you to make them uncomfortable. I don't think the Derek Chauvins or Amy Coopers can wield their power so freely if you stand up and make them feel uncomfortable. 
It's a start, white friend. It's all I've got for you right now. Confront racism, blatant, implied, whatever flavor it comes in. Confront racism when you see it in your personal spheres. And if you don't see it, look for it. It's there. Create a world where the Derek Chauvins in your life will never get so comfortable to casually kneel on the neck of a black man. Where the o Amy Coopers in your life won't casually call up the Derek Chauvins. Do not insult me by calling the Derricks and Amys bad apples. They are propped up by all the good apples around them that sit there doing nothing. You know what happens to those good apples, right? If you're in the same basket as Derek Chauvin or Amy Cooper, do something. Who is going to serve and protect me? You can. You didn't expect this to be easy, did you? It's not easy. It's uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. And I'll be right here if you have a question need encouragement, or just want to talk. Hug a black man today. Tell him that he's loved and valued, that his life matters to you. Much love to you, my white friend. Dr. Ibu Kwabena Blankson. Beloved spiritual companions, a riot is the language of the unheard. Is the roar loud enough yet? To our African-American loved ones here with us today and those in the largest embrace of Arlington Street Church in the world, I say today, we hear you. We hear you. To my white loved ones, I say, we must listen. Dr. King paraphrased abolitionist and Unitarian minister Theodore Parker when he said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It bends, my friends, but only when we bend it. We are called to listen harder and longer to those who live with racism every day, day in and day out. Listen, especially if it makes us squirm. We are called to show solidarity who live to those who live under the knee of racial injustice. We are called to get uncomfortable, to use our privilege and power to confront and dismantle systemic racism. We are called to devote ourselves to democratic ways of seeking justice, peaceful demonstrations, voting, and police reform. We are called to serve and protect. We are called. Let us answer yes. Answer with our lives. So help us God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. 
If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.